Welcome to Rack Talks, a podcast dedicated to the ever-evolving world of rack tech and financial regulations. My name is Klaus Christensen, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Know Your Customer. We are an award-winning rack tech provider specialized in corporate client onboarding, KYC, and anti-money laundering process digitization. Today, it is my great pleasure to welcome Mushir Ahmed as my guest. Mushir is the founder and managing director of FinStep Asia, which provides advisory on fintech and digital ecosystems in Asia. He's also the co-founder and board member of the FinTech Association of Hong Kong and has an extensive background in financial services and technology, having been a global markets trader for a decade and a management consultant following his MBA. Mushir, thank you so much for being here. Pleasure being here, Klaus. Thanks for having me. Mushir, we met many times in the last few years, but we probably first crossed paths when I joined the FinTech Association in Hong Kong, and we both took part in many of their events. It might have been uh, the RecTech Live event in 2018. Do you remember? The RecTech Live event was one of the first ones where you participated. And uh, you know, with the FinTech Association, uh, it was a lot about connecting and showcasing the top fintechs that we have in Hong Kong. And uh, with uh, Know Your Customer, that was one of the things that we highlighted uh, during that session. So, yeah. Yes, and we were extremely grateful and still are about that exposure that we got early on in Hong Kong, which developed into a very, very important market for us, obviously. Uh, your track record promoting and champion tech innovation in financial services truly incredible. Uh, but I was wondering, when did your passion for fintech and regtech start? Can you pinpoint a specific episode or moment in time? As I said, I come from a background of trading, but when as a global markets trader, I started my career on uh, the computers as an electronics trader for uh, Futures First, who are part of the Hurston Group. Uh, so that was when there's a transition that was taking place in the ecosystem where uh, traders were used to trading in the pits and determining things through MO, looking at people's faces, you know, knowing who's who, what company, what mood, what's happening, to now just looking at numbers and trying to figure out what's the best trade based on useful information. So that was, in a sense, if I look back, that's 15 years ago, was my introduction to fintech. Being a highly regulated market, there was also a lot about looking at, you know, we had to monitor. I, I was managing a, a desk of 35 traders when I was in Mauritius with my branch and previously as well. So you're constantly monitoring uh, your traders and uh, ensuring that they're sticking to the rules, they're not spoofing. But what really brought me into the fintech and regtech world was during my MBA, uh, which is a, a joint program between the University of Hong Kong and London Business School, I was in London for a few months and uh, the school organized a trip to Level 39, which is based in uh, Canary Wharf. It's run by the Canary Wharf Group uh, and uh, it was meant to showcase startups. And that's where I met with fintech startups. So when I got back to Hong Kong in Q3 of uh, 2015, there's hardly any discussion around fintechs. Right? There's a bit around startups, but nothing around fintech. The first event I attended was 25 to 30 people in a small room in the Canadian Chamber of Commerce with Henry Slanian, uh, James Lloyd, Lawrence Morgan uh, as the speakers. And, then, uh, and I look back and I'm like, all these people could fill large conference rooms on their own right now. But it was very little exposure. And that's, that's how I started getting into fintech. Uh, on the second hand, um, I joined as a management consultant with Grace Park Partners who provide 
advisory to tier one banks and brokers on technology around electronic trading and as well as risk and regulatory advice. I was co-heading their risk and regulatory practice for Hong Kong, which meant looking at how technology is reshaping risk and regulatory reporting, as well as the regulations that were coming in specifically around technology, right? So doing presentations at the SFC, et cetera. So that's where my interest actually largely around regulations was driven through when I was with Grace Park because I had to know you know, all the SFC regulations, look at what HKMA is doing, what's happening with Europe, all of these and how they are impacting the trading businesses where it all kicked off. Very interesting. You mentioned HKMA and SFC in Hong Kong. Who was driving it more at that time? Now it's the HKMA that is most visible. I think it still is the HKMA driving a lot more. We also need to be cognizant of the fact that in some senses, the biggest change in business models from a technology perspective has happened on the retail banking side and less so much on the security trading. And I will qualify that. Um, if we look at fintech, and when I talk about fintech to people, I showcase examples of when technology has been reshaping financial services. The first one that I used to talk about is about the Telegram, which is mid to late 1800s. One of the main known uh, uses of the Telegram was to send news across about stock markets, uh, especially between London and New York. So you can see that technology was involved in financial services all the way back about 125 to 150 years back. And that's because of trading. Then you go into the 60s after, you know, the ATMs, etc. You're talking about trading on computers to uh, use of AI. Millennial Capital has been using AI for trading since the mid 80s. And it's also been a very key differentiator for brokers. That's how good is your technology? How fast is it? How robust is it? So I think from that perspective, the SFCs need to drive changes in the market where probably not as high because a lot of things was covered or already under supervision. From that perspective, HKMA had to drive a lot of changes. At least in 2018-19, up until then, 25% of all revenue of HSBC globally is driven from Hong Kong. And most banks are making double digit. People didn't necessarily have the need to push and bring more innovative products, right? There's no big competition because the market is doing fairly well. While the HK may have realized that there is change that's taking place and for innovation to be driven and for competition, they need to drive more changes. Now, asking incumbents to adopt something doesn't go under necessarily their model, right? You can't just tell a bank, okay, why don't you use EKYC? That's a bank's business choice and it's a, it's their option. So when they started and initiating things like virtual banking and then allowing EKYC for some firms to do, that in a sense gave that nudge for everybody to go virtual. The key element that's happened is they've gone from saying, yeah, it's there, technology is, 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 is as it as is, to uh, and we don't need to really regulate it per se, to now recognizing that they can be different business models, recognizing that there is need for changing the regulation in itself and switching from uh, what was uh, more prescriptive regulations, uh, follow the word exactly, to principle-based regulations. I think that's been a big change now that we, we see in Hong Kong. And uh, credit does go to HKMA who have not been shy of looking at innovation. And if we had to pick somebody who's leading the West, still would say HKMA is... Uh, a lot more proactive and uh, have uh, been pushing quite a few different models, but also it's consumer driven, which is changing consumer behavior in Hong Kong. 
We, we are very happy about uh, HKMA's involvement, championing RegTech solutions at all, because we, we don't see that all that much in, in our regulators. I come from India, right? And EKYC in India is just coming on board, which is frankly a surprise given that we've had Aadhaar for quite some time. And it, the whole idea was use of digital identity. You have all the tools, but the regulators following up, it takes time, even in jurisdictions that may be seen as digitally savvy, if I may use that term. Well, India is a, is a good point, actually. Um, I'm always fascinated by the development of fintech and regtech in, in markets and countries where we are as a company not yet present. I, I would be really interested, since you as a co-founder of India Tech Hong Kong uh, would know a lot about it. What are your thoughts about the Indian financial technology ecosystem? How has it evolved over the years and even recent months? It's a tremendous ecosystem. And I'm not saying that because I'm from Bangalore and I'm very familiar with technology or because now India, I'm, I'm Indian, but frankly, we are the third largest fintech ecosystem in the world after the United States and uh, and mainland China. Now, when it comes to B2B, I still feel UK is, is probably the leader, but India is getting there very quickly. What's happened is the India stack. So the India stack is a technology platform infrastructure that has been developed by the government, right? which includes the biometric layer, which is Aadhaar, which now has 1.2 billion people on it. Now that has enabled financial inclusion of hundreds of millions of people who now get payments in their bank accounts straight to their banks. So I think India has developed from there, but other key element is our uh, fintech players have gone from replicating models that existed in other ecosystems to now you have solutions in multiple languages which are catering to Indians needs and more tailored to uh, what the local markets are demanding and it can be very different in a city to a tier two center to uh, the villages in India right so you have seen that maturity in the ecosystem and uh, funding has significantly improved you haven't seen any Indian fintechs list yet but I expect that to happen in the next year or so Thirdly is the entry of India's largest company. It has truly democratized data in India. We have the cheapest data anywhere in the world. We've almost doubled the number of internet users in the last three years. The banks have been fairly good in terms of providing, you know, leveraging of technology. But I would say they, there's a lot more that is feasible and possible. You know, as much as we want technology to change everything we do, Regulations are going to play a very big role. What I find fascinating is that uh, if you come from Europe or from the US, it's it's so interesting to to look at emerging markets and developing economies and look at how the user experience in these new financial products is different from what we are used to, and the development actually has been faster. Is there anything that that you would point out that, that is different in in usage of these fintechs? Um, I think the key element is the percentage of banked versus underbanked or unbanked. Now, and a classic case to compare is Hong Kong versus mainland China. Hong Kong being fully banked almost, but they don't have that trust on, on technology. So the key element is going to be people trusting the technology. Say what you will. Uh, why is PayMe the largest wallet in Hong Kong? What, what, two, one and a half, two million users or, or thereabouts now? That's 30% of the population which is in sync with HSBC's percentage uh, overall, right? It's Why are people comfortable with it? Yes, they have a great product. But you can see that people are very comfortable with PayMe because it's HSBC. 
And I'll give you an example of um, of a person whom I know very well, a Hong Konger, born and brought up here, has exposure to study overseas, um, and they don't use any virtual banks, any of the apps, etc. Right? They don't like using it, but very tech savvy, so there's not an issue. When I posted about the Mox Bank, uh, I did an unboxing of their card, and they were like, "I was like Mox by Standard Chartered." They were like, "Oh, Standard Chartered." When they heard a bank's name, there was a positive reaction because they they felt, ah, this is not going to go away. So when you have a fully banked market, your penetration and your cracking the market is going to be significantly tougher. Irrespective of the pain points that people may have, banking inertia of uh, leaving your bank account is very high. People have a high inertia changing bank accounts. They don't mind changing for transactions. They don't mind changing the credit card. But when you talk about salary accounts, is a huge inertia, and people are not comfortable anywhere in the world. I don't think it's just a question of developed world. Whereas when you go, when you talk about China, you talk about ASEAN, you talk about India, you you're coming from markets where the banking population itself is was at least below fifty percent or lesser. You know, in Philippines and parts of ASEAN. The eighty percent of the population has a Facebook account, and twenty percent of the population has a bank account. So there, when technology solutions come in, they are going to use them quicker. There is the leapfrogging that's taking place, uh, and they don't have to have gone through the whole process of banks and other things. And they know how to bank, but yeah, they're like, we don't have a bank account. So if you're providing me any banking services, I'll lap it up. Now here, regulations have played a key role in when it comes to digital IDs. And I think what the HKM have done, and a few of the other regulators have actively done, and should continue doing, is using a tiered system. Frankly, within a country's ecosystem, there isn't really money laundering there. Then it's cross-border where AML kicks in. Now here you can see what China did, and I think that was a very good example about regulations. Uh, China was very prudent in the sense of allowing ecosystem to grow. Because they had the big banks, which still are among the biggest banks in the world by asset, but they also had hundreds of millions of people unbanked. So they allowed uh, fintechs or technology players to come up with solutions and uh, watched it grow. Be- Once they became systematic, they brought in regulations or clamped down. So if you take Alipay for example, uh, escrow accounts, etc., they started in two thousand five, two thousand six. Took about ten years for limits to be brought into that by the regulators. It's it's narrowed down to three four years to five years now or even closer. Credit and lending we saw that big clamp down end of two thousand eighteen, which is now reduced by over ninety percent. The credit players and lending players in mainland China because they brought in more norms and tightened it, but they allowed those models to progress. That is the thing that I found so so fascinating. With different speeds. I remember I was in Shanghai in 2015 and uh, went out with a bunch of colleagues for a, a great Chinese lunch. And um, I paid for the lunch and they all paid me back on WeChat. And that is how I got my first WeChat wallet. And I found that fascinating. This was 2015. I went back to Ireland shortly after. And in Ireland, they only started introducing contactless payment at that time. But that was still far, far ahead of the US, where you still were swiping uh, credit cards and had to sign them. <laughs> you know? 
So think about like Ireland being the payments capital of Europe. So many payment players have come out of Ireland. Yeah, my experience is the same. 2014, uh, August, when we did a month in Beijing. And yeah, I had my WeChat pay and everybody's transferring money. In today's world, it was an integrated platform. And so platforms, I think, is, is, is the ma- major game changer. You can do almost everything. I like to call WeChat in a hotel WeChat. You can check in, but you never check out in some senses. And the key element there being it encompasses all walks of your life, you know, everything in your life, from professional to personal and social, right? All three in one place. Our lives are migrating online at an unprecedented rate, especially since pandemic. And uh, so much of our economic and and social activities is facilitated online or at least digitally connected in some way. So that digital identity is now very, very important. And KYC is related to that. So we're talking not just about um, anti-money laundering related KYC, we're talking about identifying people so that they have secure access to their online identities. We have one final question that we ask all our guests. If tomorrow you woke up and somehow you had become the global financial regulator, what would be the first thing you would think to do and and why would that be? The first thing I would do is to create a regulatory framework for digital ecosystems end-to-end, not as an evolution of existing uh, regulations, but from scratch. That's what I would do. And why is because you do need to radically change how you build regulations, keeping big tech in mind. How would you build your financial services regulations? I think that's going to be a key because I also feel the big tech firms have an advantage over incumbent banks when it comes to regulations. And that's why a lot of people give stick to the bank saying, oh, why don't you offer this? Why don't you offer that? And then the, the fintech is doing is the tech fin is doing this, but why aren't you doing it? Because the regulator is not allowing them to do it. Uh, and there's a compliance team sitting behind them, which is saying this is too much risk on our business reputation, so we won't allow it. Thanks very much, Mushia. That was fantastic. Thank you so much for having a pleasure, as always, to talk to you. And I hope to see you in person soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of RecTalks. My name is Klaus Christensen, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of award-winning RecTech provider, Know Your Customer. If you liked the episode, please subscribe to the whole series and leave us a review. And if you'd like to connect with us, suggest a guest or a topic for an upcoming episode, please send us a message at info at knowyourcustomer.com or visit knowyourcustomer.com slash rectalks.